Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. As a reminder, we have the Adventure Grant. The 2023 Adventure Grant is going in our show notes. There's a link to a Google form. We're looking to give $1,000 to somebody, $500 to someone else, and $250 to a third person, plus all the gear that's going to come on with it. We've got a handful of merchandise items, gear items for these adventures as well. So um, this is the first time in two years we've done an adventure grant. We've done two before this that were always awesome. So we're super happy to bring this idea back. And if you have an adventure this year that you want to do, please apply. We're looking for folks that this is going to make a big difference with their trip and also folks that are focused on building community, making the world a better place, which, you know, is totally up to you how you're doing that. But we're really looking for that in this grant. So yeah, please apply. Or if you know someone that's going to do an adventure this year, uh, please have them apply. But more details in the show notes. This episode is a long time coming. I talked to Ben, gosh, he was first on the podcast or scheduled back in September. And we had to cancel a number of times. Uh, It was a long, uh, it was just, it's been such a slog getting this episode out because the first one we recorded, I lost his episode. The the card and the hard drive that I had this saved on corrupted and I completely lost it. And it was such a bummer. I lost a handful of episodes. So I'm slowly getting those people to re-record Ben being one of them. But what was cool is not long after Ben and I recorded back in September, we got to meet up. I went to the brewery at Athletic Brewing in, in Connecticut Ben lives close by and swung by and we got to meet and he's awesome. And now he's one of the ambassadors over at Athletic Brewing, helping spread the word about Athletic all around, gosh, the world, the country for sure on his bike. Um, So, so great to have Ben on. And here's a little bit about him. He did a 6,000 mile long distance bike ride to raise awareness for distracted driving. So, uh, you know, what he's trying to get folks to do is to text less, live more because so many people are injured and, you know, hurt or killed because of distracted driving, whether that's eating or texting or just not paying attention. I can't tell. I mean, if you look over to the people next to you driving on roads today, I promise you nearly half will be looking down at their phone. It's alarming. And even the aside from safety, it's so inefficient. I don't know if you've ever been behind somebody when they, the you know, green light cars in front of them go and they're just looking down and it's a 10 second delay. I mean, I let it get to one second and I honk my horn now. So I, I don't even let it get that far half the time. So please put your phone downs. I've been hit by a car that was distracted, a, a truck a couple years ago. And it's not a fun experience. I could have easily lost my life. I'm very, very fortunate that I didn't. And it was all due to distracted driving. So I'm a huge proponent of this as well. I hope you enjoy Ben's story. And let's go ahead and jump in. All right, folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Today, you heard a little bit about Ben's story in the intro and the mishap. We had first time ever. I have lost episodes with a corrupted uh, memory card. And Ben was gracious enough to not only get back on and talk, but we had to reschedule like three times. <laughs> it was not an easy 
uh, thing to get back on. But Ben, you're right back where you started, where we talked the first time. But I know you've had this huge adventure in between and the speaking and traveling around. And we actually met in between our conversations, which is very rare for me to meet guests just because they're usually they're in other parts of the world or the country. And we just never end up actually crossing paths. But you and I have met. You and I have, are now talking twice and had a handful of reschedules. So Ben Granis, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mason. I'm glad to be here. And yeah, it's it's really, really quite special to get to to talk to you again and see a familiar face after having met in good old Connecticut. Yeah, you we it. had a night at the brewery with uh it back in September and you showed up and uh with all our ambassadors for athletic brewing and we had some pizza, hung out, did a little happy hour with our two for the trails director, Kara, and uh it was a lot of fun. Thanks for just showing up. That was that was cool. Yeah, no, I was glad glad to make it happen. I, when did when did we speak originally for the first time? Oh, Do you man. remember? It was if that was that was I remember was late September. So we probably spoke around two, at least two weeks before that, because I remember telling it's you September though, right? I think it was early September. Okay, that makes sense. So here we are, three months later. Here we are. Holy cow! A quarter of the year's gone by since we last talked. It sure doesn't feel like it. My goodness. No. I remember the last conversation we talked, it was a lot of back and forth. So I don't know if it'll be that way this time, but you know, you did this huge bike tour across the country twice. And for this, you know, folks have heard a little bit of the overview, but tell us real quick, what has happened between when we first talked and now, what have you been doing? Yeah. So when we, when we first spoke, I think I had just gotten home from finishing up the ride in San Diego and I just flown back to, to Connecticut, which is where I am now at my folks place. And shortly after I saw you at the, at the athletic, I went off on a, a road trip of actually comparable length to my bike trip, but in a car to interview a bunch of athletes who are sponsored by Maxis Tires to talk about the cause that I've been riding for. The goal is to create a, a bunch of videos on each conversation to help promote both the athlete, Maxis, of course, and the most importantly, the the mission of ending distracted driving and helping people have healthier relationships with their phones. So I just got back from that two weeks ago. So it was four weeks on the road doing that. So what, what, what was that like? How did that compare to the bike trip in the sense of like enjoying places and I don't know, just being out there? It was definitely, it is different because I was in a car most of the time. It was about a hundred hours of driving, uh, which is, <laughs> I think the most amount of time I've spent in a, in a vehicle, but I had my bike with me and was able to ride in some new States. So I, I rode actually through this, like from Connecticut down the East coast and then went, went West to towards California. So I rode through a lot of new States in the South. So I got to ride my bike in Oklahoma and New Mexico. I didn't, I didn't ride that much because it was a pretty busy trip, but it was, it was cool to feel some sense of familiarity kind of going through the middle of the country where, you know, I was again alone with just, I mean, the cars around obviously, but it was, it wasn't too different of an experience from being on a bike. It was a lot less enjoyable because you're, everything's better on a bike. Um, but it was kind of, I was kind of having a little bit of a trip down memory lane, even though I was in different, a different place than I actually rode. 
What, was there anywhere you saw on your bike trip that you did in 2021 and 22 that you had to go back by for the drive across the country? I actually, yeah, I, I overlapped a little bit on, I forget what interstate it was, but it was in, in Idaho. I was going up to catch him and there was a small section of highway I rode is I rode by drove by Snowville. I think it's still in Utah, but it's right on the border. Snowville, Utah, which is a place where I stayed. So it was like really, that was the only overlap really on the actual route, but it was really crazy. Cause I was, yeah, different time of year and way different context, but yeah, really interesting to, to, to kind of see it again from a different angle. I did once did a trip to like 30 national parks on bike. And I remember I saw most of them for the first time. And I was just like in tears every day about how gorgeous and beautiful it was. And I think part of that was because I got there by my own power in the sense of like a lot of effort to get there with biking, going up hills, feeling the weather, smelling the smells. And I go back and visit a lot of these places now, and it's just, it's it's still amazing and beautiful, but it's not nearly as impactful. One, because I've seen it before. Two, I don't know. I'm like eating snacks and driving, and I don't know. It's like less vibrant than I remember when I was on my bike. Did you, do you experience that at all? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. It's, it's, it's exactly like you just said, it's less vivid. It's when you know that you've arrived at a place without any power powered vehicle, you can kind of walk among all the other tourists with this thing in the back of your head of, it's like, it's a weird like satisfaction and knowing that you you've accomplished something and you've arrived, you know, if you're on the other side of the country from where your home is, you've gotten there without, without needing anything and it's taken months or weeks, however long it is, but it's, it's such a, it's such a unique experience. And I think it's kind of, it's a little bit trippy to go to places that are, that you've flown to in the past, but you're on a bike <laughs> this time, you know, cause you're like, what, this is, this is a totally different context. So it's a little bit disorienting yeah, in, in some ways, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's unlike anything else. It's pretty hard to describe, I think. And I will say, if you've seen somewhere first that you saw just traveling, you know, flew there, drove there, and then you visit that place by either long distance walking or hiking or, or biking, that time you, you go on your own two feet or by your own power is a lot more vivid because there were a handful of places that have, that have I've experienced that way. And it's, it is trippy. And there is this, not like pretentiousness about, oh, I got here on my own two feet, but you, you just, you're experiencing it in a deeper way because it's like this, a lot longer sense of anticipation, obviously a lot more sweat most of the time, you know, obviously people work their butts off to save up for trips, to go to cool places and to see something. And there's, you know, that's definitely something you should always be proud of, Uh, but something about getting there on by your own powers really satisfying. Didn't know if you experienced that driving through very recently after a lot of these experiences. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it it happens, you don't need to go far to have that feeling either. Like my first ever 100 mile ride, which was absolutely horrible. I did it in Connecticut. It was just like an up and back to this lake in Connecticut that it's Lake Warramug. And my, my dad and my sisters did a triathlon up there when I was, you know, 
12 or something. And so I remember it being this long drive, kind of annoying to get there. And then that was a halfway point for this bike ride and to just show up and start to see signs. Like when you start seeing like, oh, you're entering this town or like this town's in five miles. It's kind of, it's like you have this kind of whoa moment of I've gone so far. And if you just keep going, you get there, you know, and that's just, it's, it's such a crazy concept, like so simple, but until you experience it, you don't realize like how powerful it is. I know we've we've already talked, so it's like old news to us. But tell us like what this experience was. You spent, if all the stats are still correct from the uh, the deck you sent over, and just like the outline is, uh, you did almost sixty eight hundred miles on your bike, one hundred twenty four days on the road, and raised like forty thousand dollars for text less, drive more, and this was basically from late mid to late August, tw- you know, twenty twenty one through almost a year long journey. I know not a lot, all of that was traveling on a bike, but you did some incredible stuff, biked from your home on the East coast to the West coast and down the West coast. to basically raise awareness for distracted driving. What was so important to you about distracted driving and, and, and why, why do this? Yeah. So before August of last year, when I started riding. I was living in Northwest Massachusetts. I had gotten into cycling over the past three years and distracted driving became very close to the front of my mind. And I really wanted to, to ride my bike across the country after I left this, this job that I was doing up there. Um, sort of a, uh, the season was going to be over in August and I wanted to do an adventure that I didn't think I could do before, um, on, on a bike. And, um, I, I was doubtful about my ability to do it by myself. So I reached out to this nonprofit text, let's live more, um, who's very closely related to the the camp. And I know the, so it's, it was started after a woman who was riding cross country was killed by a distracted driver who was only texting for four seconds. Mm. And this was in 2013 and her friends and family started the nonprofit. So I've gotten to know Merritt is the woman I've gotten to know her family pretty well and reached out to them. And, and I wanted to give back to this cycling community and also help make the roads safer and also give me something to hold me accountable as I did this thing that i did not think was physically capable for me <laughs> before doing it. It started as sort of a peripheral, like, okay, I'm kind of connected to distracted driving and have my own self doubts about this journey. And along the way I got, you know, just through conversations, having a lot of growth while being on the road solo and yeah, all these conversations with people, I became a lot closer more closely connected to the mission of you know ending distracted driving and helping people have healthier relationships on their phones and i you mentioned it was uh, this ride was over the course of about 14 months i yeah i had about six months off because of a, a knee injury and it was actually during that time that i was off the bike injured where i think i became most connected to this cause because i was talking to people who had been affected by distracted driving, people who have lost family members and and all of these unnecessary deaths. And I had the time to sort of process everything that I had experienced so far. And now that the ride is formally done, I feel more 
compelled than ever to continue spreading this mission and just talking to people about it. Cause I think, I think having conversations, even just, you know, a, a casual conversation like we had at athletic or whatever, you know, there, those are the things that are going to make the difference. It's not telling people to put their phones down. It's just having a, a real human connection is, is what's going to, going to do it. I think. And now I know you're, campaign is not just about it's primarily about texting and driving but there's other types of distracted driving what what are some of the obviously text less live more leans into texting and how dangerous that can be what other areas are, do you notice that folks are, are distracted while they're behind the wheel of a 2000 pound missile essentially let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible that is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Yeah, well, that's a that's a can of worms, right? Because we're all, I think in some way or another, we've all succumbed to a distraction in the car. It's so easy, whether that's opening a granola bar while you're driving or, you know, you got to grab something out of the glove box or even just adjusting the the air conditioner in your car, especially with these cars that have touch screens where you, unless you are really good at the car, you have to look down to make those adjustments. And I ha- I've had some interesting conversations with people where they talked about kids in the car. Yes. Having like a screaming baby in the car is distracting, but also having, you know, if you're a, t- if you're a teenage driver, just got their license and you're driving around with your friends who are all on TikTok or you know, they're, they're yelling at the driver, like, Oh, look at this, look at this. Like there are so many distractions. I think it's pretty hard to have a hard and fast, like no distractions in the car, because I don't think that's ever going to get through to people. Obviously in a, in a dream world, there are no distractions and we're all perfectly focused. We're not daydreaming, but that's, I think we have to be realistic at least to start, you know, to get the conversation and get people on board with the idea of focusing on the road and realizing the risks, you know. Are you excited about autonomous vehicles? What does that make you feel as far as uh, in relation to distracted driving? Yeah, that's that's a good question, Mason. I I don't think I have enough information or I've done enough research on self-driving cars to know how that makes me feel about the future. I think if we could fully trust the technology and lean into it 100%, I would say that's that's great. I I think it's I think we're still quite a long way off with all of the mm-hmm. bureaucracy between, you know, having the technology and actually getting cars approved on the road. I mean, I know they're on the road now in testing and stuff, but there's a lot of time between now and then and to just I think I think even when we have self-driving cars, distractions are are going to be a problem because there's no way most of the population is going to have self-driving cars in 10 years. I'm excited about that day. Uh, I hope, I do believe the technology can get there and where, you know, you can do anything you want in your car and it's going to be relatively, it's going to be safer because I, I, I just Googling some quick stats, like 90 something percent of fatal car crashes are due to human error, just mistakes folks make. And, uh, and I guarantee that it's very high with, fatal uh vehicle and cycling crashes you know i I, i'm a bike tour by trade bike packer and the last cross-country bike ride i did was 2020 and i didn't ride the whole way it was kind of like a relay thing Mm -hmm. one of the few times i was out there riding i got hit by a truck 
going really fast, like 60, 70 miles an hour. Never found out who or why or if they were distracted or if it was intentional, but they sideswiped me. The mirror hit me in the back of the head and knocked off. I still got it at home and uh, scared me half to death, of course, because it was like a few inches to the right, it would have killed me. No doubt. Like it was, it was that, like that. And the person that, whoever hit me, sped up because they had exhaust, like, you know, exhaust pipes on the truck and you could hear them hit the gas when they drove away or when, when they did hit me, they were like, Oh crap, I hit somebody. Let me get out of here. No idea if they were texting or not. No idea if they were just trying to buzz me, you know what I mean? And then got a little too close or if they were trying to do more than that. So I I hope, I like to think that, you know, no one would intentionally do that, but, uh, hoping, not hoping, but hoping that was unintentional and they just, you were a young kid or something fearful and got away and scares them half to death to never do anything like that again. But, uh, human error is a huge part of it. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish I could fully believe that it wasn't someone doing it intentionally, but I've heard and seen too many stories of, uh, aggressive drivers trying to harass cyclists. And I think it's very much a, a U.S. problem. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the article in the New York times a couple of weeks ago, just showing the statistics on traffic deaths and how the U S is one of, I think if one of, if not the only country where traffic deaths are not going down. I didn't see that. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty sad. Did you experience any of that on your campaign out there to, to kind of end this distracted driving issue? Did you have anything happen while you were out there for almost 7,000 miles? It's a long time to be on these fairly dangerous roads. Fortunately, no, no real close calls or anything that seemed like distracted driving. I always ride with a mirror on my helmet sort of like a feels like a security blanket being able to see what's coming up from behind and you know i like to think that i'd be able to get out of the way if anyone was kind of like going over into the shoulder or anything like that yeah yeah the the only thing i had was an, an aggressive driver who was obviously angry i was on a bridge in oregon and they did the the thing called rolling coal, which i'm sure you've either heard of or seen <laughs> where the my dad does it to every cyclist he goes by. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I'm very familiar. Down here in the South, man, it's going to happen. You go out there and ride, you're going to get some some cold. Do you see it uh, regularly? Like, can you describe what it is and like if it's happened to you? Oh, heck yeah. Did it happen to you a lot? Just one, just that one time. Really? Oh, it happens all the time. <laughs> it's it was it, What it is, is especially if you're somewhere rural where there's big diesel trucks, it's the diesel engine. If you've ever noticed when you floor a diesel engine, basically press the accelerator all the way down, it spews black smoke out of out of the exhaust pipe in the back. And I, I don't know exactly why, like chemically what's going on, but that's what happens. So if you're driving down the road, you ever see a truck just start flooring it and, and it, all that smoke's coming out, that's called rolling coal. And so what a lot of these drivers do will get right up next to a cyclist. As they're going by, they floor it and just spew black smoke, like a cloud of smoke all over the cyclist. And 
I mean, if you're going downhill or you're on like a sketchy road at all, doesn't have a great shoulder, since they're driving the same direction you are, you can be covered in that cloud of smoke for seconds. And like, you don't see where you're going. It can be dangerous, especially like on a bridge or something where uh, there's some danger near you. So yeah, a lot of times you have to come to a stop because it it can be a good three to five seconds of not being able to see where you're going. And if you're going 20, 30 miles an hour, that's plenty of time to hit something. So that's what rolling coal is. Is that what happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if you're working hard, you're trying to go up a hill or like I was pedaling as quick as I could to get off the bridge with a narrow shoulder, you're going to, it's pretty hard to avoid breathing it in, which is I think the, the mm. worst part. That is the other really bad part. But I didn't even think about the visibility part, like not being able to see. That's, yeah. It's a, it's just a crappy thing to do all around. You know, it's, I guarantee the folks that do that have just never actually met a cyclist to realize, you know, they're not bad people. They're just trying to get some exercise or in your case, travel across country, doing something way cooler than probably anything they've ever done. And I, I've never gotten it. I I, I hope, because I believe in the good in people, I really hope it's just usually young punk kids trying to have a good time. I think we've all probably done things we weren't proud of at certain a certain age, you know, before we really started realizing, oh, that's a terrible thing to do. But I've never actually met anybody that rolled coal on me, but it happens a lot. Yeah, it would be interesting to have a conversation. I think it just gets back to the the general culture around cyclists and other users of the road in the u.s it's just not there's there doesn't seem like there's a ideal harmony between the two groups <laughs> no and i will say one time there was a guy who rolled coal on me and he i saw the truck big old jacked up truck and it stopped at a gas station a couple miles down the road and i guess he didn't realize i, I was going all you know decently fast and could catch up and uh caught up to him and i confronted him and I remember talking to him like, hey, man, I was like, what was that about? And he he was actually apologetic. So I will I will take that back. I forgot about that. And I, I honestly think that's what it is. You know, I mean, my dad, who was a hellion, tells me stories about people walking down the sidewalk and hitting puddles on the side of the road to splash them with mud <laughs> on purpose. But he's a unique, great person now, but teenage years, 20 years, I mean, he was an absolute delinquent. I mean, no way to get around it. Just... Terrible kid. Terrible, terrible. So <laughs> there are probably some folks out there that's like, that when they really start thinking about it, they're like, you know what? I'm, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> so, Right. And that's sort of like, that's sort of like texting too. You know, people like are quick to say, oh, I've never driven while or texted while drive, never done that. And, you know, then you start talking about it like, oh, you know, like everyone does it. And you know, it could be something as simple as just, I don't like this song. Then, yeah, yeah, right, literally, right. you just said that. Exactly. Yeah, I don't like the song. Yeah. Let me switch it. I need to. I might, you know, my kids are asking for a certain song on Spotify. Right. So, speaking of that, you, you didn't deal with that, thankfully. I'm also blown away by how defensive people are when you confront them about texting. You know, the, the biggest thing what I notice is not people speeding up; it's people slowing down dramatically, like in traffic, like, like, Hey, I'm running late for work and I got to be somewhere. And people just driving so slow because they're texting, they're trying to quote, be safe while they do it, which leads to just really inefficient traffic patterns, almost being dangerous because they're an anomaly with the traffic flow. You know what I mean? They slow way down or they miss a turn or 
it just drives me crazy. Or at a red light, it's a green turn lane. Or, you know, the, the, the turn lane gets green and it takes them five seconds. And I'm very quick now when I see someone texting next to me, I just lay on the horn. Yeah. Catch them off guard. Like, hey, like, that could have been a crash. You know, this is like a, a safety warning almost. Or, or like a warning. Be aware of what you're doing. Yeah. That's my reaction too. And I, I hope that it the the connection is made where they realize like, okay, someone's honking at me because I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing, not anything else. Like I hope that they they understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not I don't think you're a horrible person or like the person you're talking to is not important. But I don't think there's anything important enough. So whatever you're saying, whatever you're talking about can wait. It can literally wait. Nothing's really worth doing something that's as dangerous as drunk driving. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Especially when you, the more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to be at doing it in the future and making it more dangerous and being more risky. And each time you get away with it and you're fine, that's only, it's building the wrong, the wrong message in your head. Like, oh, well, I was fine last, the last five years of my life. Why is it why is it any different now? But it's, you just have to, you're, you've been lucky if you've gotten away with it that many times, but it only takes a small, small variable to be out of place or to be in the right place where you either hurt yourself or you hurt someone else. Yeah. I mean, think about, I know we try, I try not to be a downer because I, I think the world's safer and better than we realize, but you know, this this is probably one of those things where it's actually super dangerous. You know, sharks get a bad rap, bears get a bad rap, all these things that we kind of think are dangerous or people's first reaction is danger, actually not that dangerous or not, you're never going to come across it. It affects thousand times less than when you're driving in a country for the first time or texting and driving. Those kinds of things actually are dangerous and we're going to confront every day of our lives usually. So this is something that folks need to, especially if you're an adventurer, especially if you like to get out there on the road and either, even if you're not a cyclist, a lot of, you're going to be interacting with, through hikers have to hike down the road at some point. So it's something we should all be aware of. Someone you love is going to be involved with this or you yourself are going to be involved with it. So really love what you're doing. Well, Well, tell us about, um, what were you doing during the time to raise awareness for this cause? And, and tell us about the ride itself. Were you able to enjoy the ride and have some life-changing experiences, I imagine? Yeah, well, I, I liked what you're, where you were going with uh, not trying to be a downer because the world, the world is great and this country is, is awesome in so many ways and it's easy to get hung up on the negative side of things and, you know, the statistics and how everyone's, every, you know, everyone's putting everyone at risk, blah, blah, blah it's really easy to make a a change. And I think doing things like going on an adventure, like could be something small, just getting a a sense of what it's like to be outside and find out what, what makes you happy is, is, is going to make a huge difference for distracted driving, but also for just general life happiness. You know, you're not going to be spending as much time on your phone, et cetera. On my bike trip. I mean, that was, it was kind of interesting because I would spend eight hours a day on the bike or so. And as you know, a full day of riding, you're not on your phone because you're, you're riding. And so getting to have that many hours each day where I was just in the elements, no matter 
where I was. You're just out there experiencing it, seeing it, figuring out where to eat. Like you're, everything is just stripped to the essentials. And that's the same with, I think any sort of long-term thing could be a hike, could be uh, running a, a marathon or an ultra marathon, anything like that, or something small too, like going on a camping trip where you're only thinking about where your tent's going, what food you're buying. And once you get there, you have a campfire and you just enjoy the time with each other and or yourself, whoever you're with. I think that was one of the coolest things for me was to, you know, I had done some backpacking before and kind of knew what that was like, but to do it on a bike and be out there and have to rely on the kindness of strangers was really powerful. And I think that was probably one of, I mean, I think pretty much any touring cyclist will say something similar that getting to experience the kindness of strangers was, was incredibly uh, powerful. It's the result of being vulnerable because the entire trip you're vulnerable, you're on a bike, you're not safe from anything around you. You're out in the elements and you're going from point to point where you don't have a home between the start and the end. And that's cool. It's hard to do, but I think if people can get over that, first step and put themselves in a in an uncomfortable situation they'll see just just how cool it is you know man i i I gotta ask you because bike touring runs in your blood i don't know if this had anything to do with this trip but i know that your dad back in 1977 rode his bike coast to coast in the u.s and i'm sure that was part of your life growing up how much did that legacy fuel your own idea to do this? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say my dad harped on his experience too much when we were growing up. Um, we definitely heard stories here and there, and he would talk about his bike trip. You know, it's always this sort of nebulous thing. And as I got older, I sort of just thought of it as this kind of crazy, out-of-reach adventure that would be cool to do. But like I mentioned in the beginning, I never really believed that I could do it myself because you're riding a bike across what a plane takes five to six hours, which is just crazy to think about. So it definitely was a source of inspiration because to be able to do something sweet that one of your parents did is always like a, it's a, that's a fun, fun connection to have. At the same time, it was like, it wasn't really until I started doing it that I thought it was really cool. You know, it was like a small source of inspiration, but as I was doing it, I was like, Oh, this is, awesome that these are very similar roads to what my dad rode, you know, 50 years ago. And what a different country and environment and everything 50 years makes with how accelerated things have been. I mean, it probably was, was a little bit more wild, a little bit more, gosh, all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, that was only the the second year that people were doing organized bike tours across the country. And like, I mean, people had done it before then, but it wasn't a thing. Yeah. It didn't become a thing until 76. And like, that's, that's not that long ago. No, no, not at all. Not at all. So uh, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, as someone who's done this, it sounds like your dad didn't constantly harp on it, like you said. So, but it was no, and I, I got to find that balance with my kids because it's like, do I have posters around the house or like pictures? Do I kind of let it be this mysterious thing I did that they later discover when they're older? Do you feel like the way your dad approached his adventure life was healthy in your household growing up or or do you wish you would have done it more, less? 
I think so. I think I think it was good, especially because I have two older sisters, and I think it their my both of my parents' approach to it was appropriate for the range of adventure spirits we have in the house. My dad has his bike still in the basement here, so that was like the 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 thing that we could see. We're like, what what is this bike from? Like, what why why is it here? It's so old. Like, what is it even from? You know. And I think it was something where I really discovered what what it actually meant for him to do that experience as I was planning and now having done a long distance bike trip, which I think is, you know, there's no wrong way to, to raise your kids, Mason. So I think there are a few wrong ways. (laughs) I've seen them firsthand. (laughs) Not my parents. (laughs) Right. In in terms of approaching the adventure spirit, I think, I think you, you will, you'll do what's, what's best for, for your kids. Oh man. I trust you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can check in in a few years, see how it's going. But no, it's really cool. We don't often get a lot of the folks on this show were advent or, or are ad- kind of like first generation adventurers. Maybe their parents were really lightly into it. But I would say, you know, if your dad did a cross country bike ride, that's pretty awesome. Even if that's the only thing he ever did and never camped or went outside another day in his life, it's pretty cool. You know, it's, it's, he did it. So we get a lot of folks on this show that that started out, you know, maybe camping or a few little trips as a kid, nothing crazy, and then they take off. So just curious how it did. So maybe tell us a story from the experience that really sticks out to you, whether that has to do with the cause or not, but something that really helped you say, you know, this this was totally worth it. I'm so glad I came and did this because this happened. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. I rode across the country before the holidays last year, and then I came home for a couple months to rest and stuff before going back out to finish it. And on the last day of riding, I was supposed to get to either Seaside or Cannon Beach, Oregon, and I just left the these people that i stayed with through warm showers which is do you know do you know warm showers i i host on warm showers we have guests stay with us oh you do every wow. once in a while oh well i'd love to talk about that maybe uh another time but <laughs> all right yeah it's it's a lot of fun we we at the very least folks can camp in our yard but every once in a while they're you know we usually have them over for dinner if we really feel good about them and, and they're really cool, we're like, you know what, just stay in our house because we got two little kids. We got to be careful. Right. Did you did you use it on uh, any of your cross-country trips? Yes. I kind of discovered warm showers late, though, in my rides. And a lot of times it just never, like, I was always just out in the middle of nowhere. Or, like not in the right spot yeah, for a but host. My trip up the East Coast, it was a little more useful because of the amount of towns, the amount of people right. and, and, uh, not as many just open spaces, but anyway, tell folks about it for what you, yeah. So story. It, it's a not, it's a nonprofit where there's thousands and thousands of hosts who have volunteered, like you said, Mason, either their yard or a guest room or some, some safe place for a touring cyclist to stay for the night. So I stayed with a bunch of awesome hosts. I mean, I haven't met a a host that hasn't been awesome, but I stayed with, I was lucky enough to stay with a bunch during the trip. And on my last day of riding, I was leaving this old retired couple, not old, older retired couple in Southern Washington. And I rode about 20 miles and 
I, I realized that my front brake was shot and needed to to stop riding. Basically, I had been through a lot of rain in the Pacific Northwest, you can imagine, and the brake pads had worn so much that it was metal on metal, and that's no good. So I had to stop riding, um, but I was in a pretty remote spot and had to either... I was hoping to get to the coast because I was remarkably close to the coast, but hadn't actually made it. And I needed to find a replacement part in order to keep riding. So I, I reached out to a bunch of warm showers hosts in the area. Once I knew I had to stop riding, sat in the cafe and just started sending out a bunch of messages, made some calls to bike shops. It ended up being that these hosts that I hadn't met reached out to someone who then picked me up from 20 minutes away and then drove me it was it was 90 minutes to this bike shop that i had called and realized and learned that they uh had the the brake pads that i needed they were going to drive me there pick up the brake pads and then drive me back to their house and then accommodate me for the night just on a whim like this was less than 20 minutes between realizing that i had to stop riding and when they were on their way to to me and it ended up being that the brake pads that the bike shop claimed to have were the incorrect ones. So I, I couldn't actually keep riding. So these people dropped me off and I just then took a bus to Portland to fly home the next day. Jeez. But the fact, the fact that I had a bunch of strangers, like there were other people who were willing to help that were further away. So it didn't make sense, but just this, the amount of generosity that there is through warm showers. Yes. But also these, there's so many people in the country that have this desire to help people um, is so cool. And to get to experience that is humbling and really encouraging, I think, for the future. And just to, to have that experience is, makes me want to, to give back to, to cyclists and to, to people generally. That is one of the most common themes on this show is the realization that the world is good. There's always someone's Anywhere you go, that's going to be willing to help. Anywhere in the world. Obviously, horrible situations happen. And that's the reality of, of being on this planet. But those are the exception. I'm confident in saying that those are the exception to the rule. And the rule is people are kind to each other. People want to help. People want to feed you, clothe you, give you shelter, help out in any way they can. You might you know, pass a lot of people before that happens, but... If you're on a bike, you break down on the side of the road somewhere and you got your bike upside down, someone is going to stop to ask if you need some help. Yeah. Never have I ever had that not happen. That's one of the benefits of putting yourself in a vulnerable, uncomfortable position is people recognize that you're in a state where you might need help. And it's a lot easier for people to offer help that way versus if you're suffering next to a car, it's like, okay, well, you have a car, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's a different, it's a different experience. So it's hard to get to take that step and go out on a bike ride or whatever. But once you do it, it's, it's kind of, you're kind of paying admission to the ride of kindness. Yeah, man. So what do you think other than, you know, not texting and driving, which you knew, which you already knew ahead of time, what, what do you, what do you think this experience taught you? Uh, what else do you think it taught you about the world or about yourself? That's yeah, tough. It's a, there's there's a lot of lot of lessons packed in the the corners everywhere. 
Oh, I mean, one thing that, that I struggled with on the ride was, is social media. And that's something that I'd like still kind of have a, a, it's a weird, a weird tug of war with, because, you know, I was raising awareness for distracted driving. How do you gain traction nowadays with some cause that you're working towards social media? Like how it's, it's, it feels so backwards to promote what I was doing and now what I'm doing on on social media because it's it yeah i mean it (laughs) it it doesn't make sense so i think that was something that was hard for me and i learned that maybe it's maybe it's more important to just focus on the uh on the the face-to-face interactions and and worry less about how much traction a cause is getting online did you find it as a distraction while you were out there on your trip yeah, so I had my phone mounted on my handlebars, and sometimes I would forget to put "Do Not Disturb" on while I was riding, like not because I was worried about being a distracted biker, but because it's distracting to see your phone light up when you're riding. It kind of takes you out of the uh, the moment. So I think that was probably the 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 most it affected that. But you know, I I did get a few phone calls that were I needed to pick up while I was riding, so it was nice to actually know that those were happening, so I could pull over and and talk to them but yeah i don't know it's a it's a tough one i don't know i don't know what the answer is so what's next for you i know you to wrap this experience up i don't know i don't know to wrap it up maybe you got more planned but i know that you went around the country interviewing people what is your hope with that when when should folks be looking out for that what are those videos and, and and kind of the content you're making there and then what's what's coming up for you yeah, so this the interview trip was uh 21 interviews and they're all about 45 minutes long, but they're getting boiled down to like two and a half minute videos with kind of like the the highlights of them and they'll be posted by me and the athletes that I interviewed on a weekly basis starting in the last week of December and when each of those is released There'll also be a a podcast episode that comes out with them with the whole audio because there's a lot of content that is good but won't make it into the the videos. So I would just say keep keep your eyes on Eyes Up Ride on Instagram or eyesupride.com for those. And I'd love to do more of those. I love meeting new people and talking to them about what they love and also about distracted driving because it's a you know it's an issue that is only going to be diminished by continuing to have those conversations. So I'm hoping to do more projects like what I did last month and speak to young people about this experience and the mission and hopefully uh, make the road safer for all of us. Anything encouraging you see, well, no pun intended, coming down the road with uh, trends or, or just things around distracted driving or just safety out on the road? Yeah, oh, I would. I will say that seeing that article in the New York Times about traffic deaths was <laughs> a blow to morale. But the conversations that I've had in person with people have all been encouraging because even even people that I've talked to who are openly admitting to texting and driving were able to get to a point in every single conversation where they recognize that what they're doing is is a risk for them and their family and other people. So that's encouraging how open people are, at least the people that I've talked to. And it seems like people are really aware of their phone use generally, which is a great first step and getting to a point where we're all aware and take action 
on our phone use is is that much easier with the awareness already there. So getting people to understand what 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 they love, whether that's running or paddle boarding. I know you, I see all your paddle boarding on Instagram. It's amazing. But finding something like that where you're excited to be away from your phone um, will be a lot easier knowing how much you're on your phone already. So that's encouraging. Oh, Ben, this is awesome. Well, round two of this conversation went great. Can't even remember some of the things we talked about in the second one. I'm sure there's some things that we'll just never know. We'll just never know. Lost to corrupted technology. But yeah, man, thanks so much for for making this happen again and for uh, just advocating for this. Let me ask you this. You know, texting and driving is something a lot of us are guilty of without maybe addressing just how dangerous it is. You know, the, the, the kindest people, the nicest people in the world are all not victims of it, but have all done it. You know, they're all guilty of this. What, what is something you think that's just equally as dangerous or equally as offensive that maybe you participate in that someone has made you aware of that? It's like, you know what? I know I'm not a terrible person and I've just been doing this and I've been ignoring how dangerous it actually is. Huh? In a car or out of the car? Anything, anything at all. Wow. Well, I guess I'm, I'm lucky to not have been called out super recently, generally. So I don't know. Nothing, <laughs> nothing jumps to mind. Or has, I, let me ask you, like, has there ever, because I, I'll be honest, you know, it's just something that can easily skirt by and not really thinking about the implications of it. I mean, you know, you're texting and driving, you're not thinking much, you're switching songs, you're trying to text your spouse or your friend and yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes and boom, you could hit somebody and your life is different. You are going potentially jail time. Uh, you're looking at a lot of life altering things. And I don't think a lot of us realize just how much we teeter on risk when we participate in certain things. We did, we, we, we talk about this a lot with drinking and driving and athletic brewing, you know, right. a lot of people are on that line and there's this awesome podcast called ear hustle where this this dad who had just a little bit too much to drink ends up hitting two people great life wonderful he's an attorney everything's over now he's raising his kids for the rest of his life behind bars and it's like gut-wrenching and it's just one of those situations where it's like yeah we all engage in this really risky behavior and never really think about it yeah i I, the only thing that I'm thinking about is how far a little bit of kindness can go. And it's not a life altering thing, but I think I've taken for granted just kind of acting however I want and not really thinking about how, how what I say or approach people can affect them. And actually being nice makes a huge difference, even if it's a little bit inconvenient or difficult for me at that time. And now I'm more aware of that. Certainly not perfect, but just knowing that being nice to people is great for for the other person and for you in the long term is uh is kind of cool. Oh man. I'm so glad you said that. Um, I know we're wrapping up here. I'll share one last story. There was someone at a store recently that I thought was be that I thought was going to be really salesy to me. So I had kind of decided before I even talked to him that I was going to be real standoffish. And they weren't that way. And I ended up, I think I came across as a jerk. 
And I I was thinking about that for like a week afterwards. Like that was really crappy of me to do because I never like to interact with people that are acting that way. And here I am being that way, you know? Yeah. So I think that's something that got called out to me. I didn't, no one told me. I just kind of realized it. You called that, yourself uh, out. I called myself out. Happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, got a lot of work to, I got a lot of work to do, Ben. We all do. We're all works in progress. Um, I don't know if you watched Ted Lasso, but I love his quote, which is not from him originally, but be curious, not judgmental. And what you just said made me think of that because you never know what someone's trying to talk to you about, even though we have these frameworks in our head of like, oh, that person's a salesperson. This person's going to tell me to buy this and I don't want anything to do with it. You never know. You never know. I think this guy was just being nice and I was being a total, total jerk. Well, I hope you forgave yourself because that's, it's, it's okay, Mason. I know I, what I did is uh, I was driving later and I, and I texted something really nice. Does that even out if I t- send a nice text? To him? To, to someone else? No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't even out. You can't, even if what you're texting is really nice and friendly and, and, and hopeful and encouraging, don't do it while you're driving. No, nothing, nothing's somewhere. that important. Nothing's that important. Well, Ben, thanks so much for joining again. And yeah, man, maybe we'll cross paths again here soon. I hope so, Mason. You got to come back up to the north or I'll go to Florida or something. Who knows? Let me know. It's a good time of year to be here. And I'm sure I'll be headed up your way soon. Cool. Thanks, Mason. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 